Welcome to another episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. John Schmelk with you, today's guest from The Athletic, the one and only Dane Brugler. Dane, it's good seeing you, man. Yeah, you too. It's uh, I didn't see you last year at this time because we didn't have a combine, so it's great to be back here in Indianapolis. Yeah, nobody saw anybody. And by the way, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on the Giants mobile app, your favorite podcast platforms at giants.com slash podcast. Make sure you check it out along with our new podcast, Draft Season. Uh, it's a draft podcast, not Giants-specific, with Tony Pauline and Eric Crocker and myself. Make sure you guys go check that out. And, of course, all our draft content this year is brought to you by AWS, proud partner of the New York football Giants. All right, Dane, you've been on the ground here since Monday. Let's start here. What are some of the things that you're kind of hearing uh, when we all have to stay out at the bars late and pay for it in the morning <laughs> when we're recording this? <laughs> but that's kind of informed your impressions of some of these players before you arrived in Indianapolis. I think I'm a little surprised at the lack of consensus with a lot of these players. Uh, You know, there's more so than most years. You know, I I think every year there's going to be wild opinions about each one of these guys. But this year especially, you get differing opinions on how these corners should be ranked, how these wide receivers should be ranked. Uh, really go by position by position and just wildly different opinions on each one of these guys, how the pass rusher should be ranked. So uh, really, I mean, you're looking at – I think center and safety, the only two positions where there's a clear-cut top guy. You that, don't even think Hutchinson's a clear top, no, clear-cut top guy? No, some, some teams prefer some of the other pass rushers. Now, it's, it's not like a, you know, half the, half the league, but no, I get it. one or two have told me that, you know, they, they like him, but they prefer maybe the upside of another player. A bendy so, guy instead of a power guy. Right, 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 right. And, you know, Hutchinson's not a long player. You know, tomorrow he works out, and his day's going to start a little rough because his arm length's not going to be as long as people think. What do you think is going to come in at? Under 33 inches, which wow, is, is pretty pretty short. So, um We'll we'll see tomorrow officially what it is, but I, I think his his day is going to get a lot better really quickly because he's going to blow up uh, with the agility drills and how he looks on the field. And if he comes anywhere close to this testing numbers, what he's been doing, goodness gracious! I mean, he's he's going to do well for himself. Well, I know on uh, Feldman's frequency, they said he was had a better three cone than could he pay from last yeah, year, which yeah. at like 270 pounds is kind of ridiculous. Think the, about it. The short shuttle, the the 40, yeah, it's. We had the the wide receivers and quarterbacks and tight ends work out last night, and a few pretty good performances. Mm-hmm. But uh, the pass rushers what I'm excited for because there's there's a lot of them this year. It's by far the strongest position this year. Yeah, and I think the combine will help maybe figure out where they each one of these guys belong in the pecking order. Yeah, and a lot of it's it's styles too, right? What are you looking for right. from the edge guy? What do you yeah. want a, a powerful two hundred seventy pound guy? Do you mm-hmm. want a quicker two hundred fifty pound guy that's maybe going to stand up more? So this is this is probably why the the rankings, especially at that spot, are so disparate, right? Because different teams are looking for sure. different qualities. Same thing at receiver, uh, where you know, do you want an inside guy? Do you want an outside guy? You want someone that can play all over the formation? Do you want a possession target? Do you want more of the big play guy, uh, a deep threat? So I mean, really, we could go position by position. And kind of you know discuss how each each team's looking for something a little different. I got like Tim, Tyler Linderbaum. You could make the argument he is a top ten player in this class. He could fall to the mid twenties. He could fall to the thirties. He is a team. I think if we want to use him, so he's that good of a player, we have to run an outside zone scheme. It, well, that's it. He is. He's a center only. He's not going to play guard. Uh, he's got short arms. Like, Thirty one something. Right. Right. This morning. Right. And that's just you know that's that's not a surprise because that's what the tape says. That's that's how he plays. Um, and you, yeah, he's scheme specific. I mean, he is a zone center. And so when you look at all 32 teams and you cross off. 
off, cross off all the teams that have center, cross off all the teams that don't run zone, cross off all the teams that are, you know, not willing to draft a center in the first round, and you're left with, like, four teams. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, it's really fascinating with a guy like Tyler Linderbaum, who is the best player at his position, but has such a wide variance of where he could end up on draft day. All right, we're gonna, I'll get to the on-field stuff um, in a little bit from last night as you were there and you were up mm-hmm. close and personal with these guys. But we're talking about how these guys are ranking up. In your opinion, mm-hmm. do your evaluation, then you can kind of tell me what you're hearing from other from the league too, because that, there might be different answers. Who are the true blue chip, any draft year, this guy would be a top five, top seven player in this year's draft class? How many of those guys even are there? Do we have any? Um, I don't I don't know that we have any, to be honest with you. Um, it, like, let's just take last year's draft class, for example. Aiden Hutchinson's Probably not a top 10 pick last year. It's funny, Dane. We had this conversation yesterday. You brought it up. I went through the nine top non-quarterbacks from last year, right? You had the three wide receivers, Kyle Pitts, the two corners, Mm -hmm. uh, the two offensive linemen, and Michael Parsons, right? Those are the nine I got to. If you think I'm missing somebody, okay. No, 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 yeah. And I said those, if you combine last year's class with this year's class, that's probably nine of the first 12 or 13 picks. Yeah, yeah, no question. And I don't think that... I love Ike Kwanwu. Love him. Uh, he's my number two player in this class behind Hutchinson. I don't think that he, he doesn't go above Slater, doesn't go above Sewell last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, it's just it's fascinating to look at it that way. Um, the corners, by the way. I don't think they go above J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. And I, I really like these corners. But, yeah, I agree. Last year we were just – it was a top-heavy group. Uh, you know, no one as a pass catcher comes – even close to Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts that we had last year, um, and I like I love Garrett Wilson. Traylon Burks is a stud, but yeah, they don't come close to those guys last year. It's uh, it's a really interesting draft class when you compare it to past groups like that, and it's just. I know Giants fans don't want to hear it, but relatively speaking, it's not the best year to be picking top ten. And No, that's literally the conversation it's, we've been having all week. So yeah, yeah I'm with you. All right, so let's talk. We'll, we'll get back to the bigger picture in a second. Last night. First of all, have you actually seen the final official times? Because yeah. there was some variance. A little bit. A little <laughs> bit, yeah. So now that you've seen what the actual numbers are, what are some of the things that jumped out at you last night? Um, well, first, the variance, yeah. Just how wildly different they were. Uh, we thought we might have had a record there from Taekwon Thornton uh, out of Baylor. Uh, he dropped from, was was, uh, 421 to 428. So still, uh, I mean, it's... I don't think I've ever been. I've ever said I was disappointed by a four-two-eight, but uh, you know, we thought it might be even better than that. Um, How about Olave? He goes from a four-two-six. He doesn't four, three, even nine. run his second time. Now four-three-nine yeah. is a great time. Right? Exactly. Right. 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 Nine, but maybe he runs his second goal yeah. if he's at four-three-nine. Wasn't even the fastest Ohio State receiver. Yeah. So you know, it's it, that's that's too bad. Um, but you know, I, I still think a lot of these guys ran fast. Um, you know, I, I think that what really stood out to me the most was. The number of receivers that ran or that did the three cone and didn't run well, or just didn't decide decided not to do it at all. I have not seen any three cone numbers. So, so tell talk to me. We had two only two receivers go under seven seconds in the three cone. Okay, only two. To put that in comparison purposes, um, I looked it up. I did the research here. Let me pull it up here. Yeah, please. And by the way, I was told that these guys have been practicing these three cones sure. so much that the numbers might actually be a lot better this year. So only two receivers under seven seconds this year. Who are uh, they? Um, 
Sky Moore is probably one of them. Yeah, if he, see, did it. he was he was seven one four. Really? So, yeah, that was surprising. Um, I, I thought I really did expect better for him. Uh, Kevin Austin from Notre Dame and Bo Melton from Rutgers. Um, Bo Melton had himself a nice little he day. He, he's a good huh? player. He's a good player. He was actually really good in the rain down in Mobile too. I yeah, thought he had a really yeah, good was. day on the bed weather. He day. was and. Bo Melton could have gone to Ohio State. He could have gone to a lot of schools out of high school. He chose to go to Rutgers. Um, so, yeah, uh, two this year, four in 2020, uh, the last time we had a combine, eight in 2019, 18 in 2018, and then in 2017 we had 23 receivers under seven seconds in the three cone. So we've gone from 23 to two in the last five years, uh, the number of wide receivers under seven seconds in the three cone. So Why? A big part of that is a lot of guys aren't running here. You know, they're deciding, we'll wait till my pro day. I'll focus on the linear stuff, you know, the, the 40 and uh, the jumps and, and, and things like that. Uh, and then they'll wait for the pro day to, to do the change of direction, the short shuttle, right. uh, that type of thing. So it's just fascinating how that, that the trend we're headed towards with that. Um, but it was also interesting to see the quarterbacks, um, you know, see get to see them on the field. That was great. I don't know that any of them really moved the needle based on what we thought going in. It was, it, Malik Willis was fun for him to show off his arm. And by the way, Dane, throwing on air, if, if, if this yeah. impacts your evaluation, right. you're not doing it right. Right, right, right. Well, and I, I thought the same thing at the Senior Bowl. Like, I was surprised, but so many people talk about Malik Willis as being this winner. I mean, if you didn't know he had a strong arm or that he was athletic, then you weren't wa- you didn't watch his tape at all. He showed so. the same raw tools that he showed during exactly, the year, right? Exactly. Yeah, I'm He's with you. He's a good player. He yeah. is a good player. Um, but more more importantly than anything will be the interviews for him. Um, I think the biggest question with him is when will he be ready to play? When can he get on the field? Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to play as a rookie, but at some point, you know, he's going to get out there and – um, that's what teams are trying to figure out. Just, you know, when is he going to be able to grasp our offense and run it to a starter level ability? And by the way, the noise you guys hear in the background, once again, our timing is impeccable. They, is. They've started to do the bench press. And this is and this is offensive line bench press. We had some wide receiver and tight end bench press yesterday, which nobody cared about. Well, we had only one wide receiver bench. Only yeah, one. I know. They didn't want to do it. And I think Zion Johnson went to 32 earlier today, that's, if I'm not mistaken, awesome. which is pretty – and he's a pretty lean guy too, so that's yeah. actually a pretty important number for him. Um, all right. So last night, the tight ends, did anyone pull themselves away there? Because the Giants right now, they let Kyle Rudolph go. Evan Ingham's a free agent. They literally have nobody in that tight end room, Dane. Is, you know... Maybe they don't want to use a day two pick, right. but there could be a lot of guys left on the on the board at the start of that round four when they have their pick. Did anyone you think really separate themselves from that tight end group that you really liked last night? Separate? No, I won't say that, but I, I do think a few guys helped themselves. Uh, a guy like Jelani Woods um, from Virginia, who uh, former high school quarterback, goes to Oklahoma State, transfers to Virginia for his final year, led the ACC, all ACC tight ends and touchdowns. Um, and then he comes here, well, he went to the Shrine game, had a good week there. Comes here, runs, uh, was it 461 at 253 pounds, 6'7", so he was moving. Uh, And then also in the bench press, he had 24 reps. The uh, most of any tight end, right? Which, when you factor in, he's got 34.5-inch arms. You know, it's even more impressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daniel Falalele from Minnesota, the almost 400-pounder, he he had 24 reps. So, you know, his arms are just a little bit longer, but not a lot longer. Yeah, 35 and an eighth, I think, he came in at. Yeah, less than an inch, you know, longer than uh, Jelani Woods. So, not only that, but I thought Woods on the field, the position-specific drills, caught the ball well. I thought he helped himself. Uh, he came into the week as my number nine tight end, and I think he, you know, maybe moved up a few spots or, you know, which it, it's a, it's close in that range. Uh, Trey McBride looked good. You know, I don't, I, I feel about him the same way that I felt about him since the season. He, just nothing there that wows you. Nothing about him that's dynamic. 
but he's a really talented pass catcher, very reliable. Uh, contested catches don't bother him. Um, I wish that there was more production in the red zone, but they, they, they're a run-first offense, and they really didn't, didn't use him there. So um, Trey McBride is still in that conversation to be the first tight end off the board, which I think tight end one is wide open. I really do. Greg Dulcich from UCLA, I thought he'd run better. 4.70, I thought he'd run. I thought he'd get in the high 4.5s um, just based off his speed. Uh, so that was a little surprising, but Greg Dulcich is still a really good player. He's in that mix uh, to be one of the first tight ends off the board. And then a guy we didn't get the chance to see is Jeremy Ruckert, uh, yeah. Long Island native who uh, had a foot injury at the at the Senior Bowl and unfortunately wasn't able to work out. But he talked to him and he should be good to go at his pro day. And then Kate Otten, the kid from Washington, yeah. a lot of people like too, right? Top five tight end in this class, I think. I the the Washington coaching staff was fired because they didn't get him the ball the much, uh, enough. That basically because really? they, wow. they they couldn't score any points on offense. Kate Otten was their best player and they just couldn't get him the ball enough. Um, I, I think he's uh, one of the top five tight ends this year. It's just this foot injury that kept him out of the Senior Bowl, ended his season prematurely at Washington. Um, he's a, uh, a little bit of a, a combo guy because he can block, he can go out and catch passes. Um, if Because he's missed some time, maybe have a little bit of a discount sticker on him. If he were to last to the fourth round, I think that would be a steal at that point. How many tight ends on day two? Probably four or five. You think um, you'll get to five, huh? I, okay, so let's, well, let's, Trey McBride will go. Greg Dulcich will go. I think Ruckert will go. Watermeyer will probably go, right? I don't know. I don't Ooh, know about really? that. Really? No, Interesting. I, 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 think, I, I think those three, and then I'd throw in Isaiah Likely. Um, he can move, man. Certain type of tight ends. Now, he didn't know. run yesterday either, right, Likely? Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't think he did. I don't that's remember seeing a number I don't think he did either, yeah. Um, Which I was surprised by because you figured that's something he that was, he'd be really right, – that's yeah, where he'd shine. Yeah. I, yeah, he did not run. I was surprised by that. Um, and then Kate Otten. Uh, to me, those five guys have a chance. Um, now, if Otten were to follow the fourth or, you know, I think that's possible. But, um, yeah, you know, Weidemeyer, I, I, he's a good player. I would just – I would be surprised uh, if he goes on day two, to be to be perfectly honest with you. All right, let's, let's circle back around here. You mentioned five and seven, it's a rough year. Yeah. So what is your thought process? Let's say Kyle Hamilton, who is a safety, but but a legitimate blue chip prospect, right? right. He's been one of the highest grade players in the draft. He's gone. Neil is gone. Equanu is gone. Both those guys, by the way, checked all their arm length boxes this right, morning right. with their 34 inch arms. And Hutchinson's off the board. Those four yeah. guys are gone. What's your I'm putting you in the GM seat. Yeah. I'm I'm giving you the hat. What are you thinking at five or seven, assuming you're making phone calls and no one wants to trade up? Because I'm sure that would have been your first uh, first response. Yeah, right. Um, uh, that's going to be a lot of teams be trying to do that. Um, I trying to move back, not up. Right, exactly. Yes. This is going to be a big week for Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, a big week for him to sell himself and prove to teams that, yeah, you know, I do care about my brand, but I care even more about being a good football player. I care even more about being the best pass rusher I can be. Um, and it, that's going to be huge for him. There's a lot of teams are very skeptical on him uh, as a top 10 guy because of, you know, just the, the way that he's carried himself in the past. And so this is a big week for him during interviews to prove that he belongs in that in that top five conversation. So I think he needs to be in the conversation there at five. Uh, he's still a really good player, especially in this class. Um, so he needs to be there. Trevon Walker's been my guy. Um, yeah, I, I, I know I'm higher on him than most people or pretty much anybody, but this guy is just scratching the surface of what he could be. Three years from now, if you tell me Trevon Walker is the best defensive player from this class, 
would not be surprised at all. Okay, let me follow up on Trayvon because I actually had Daniel Jeremiah on a couple days ago, yeah. and, he's, and he's a big Walker guy too. Yeah. And I asked him this because I went back and I watched him, and they almost use him like an interior rusher. He's yeah. never actually lined up mm-hmm. outside the tackle. Right. So I guess my question is what makes you so confident about his projection as an edge that we didn't actually see him do much at Georgia that would make you be comfortable picking him at five or seven? Because when he did do it, he was awesome. Um, you know, you could throw on the Auburn tape and see a few times where he was able to get after the quarterback. Um, I thought, yeah, they played him really tight on that on that line, and that allowed him to get better as a run defender. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a really, really good run defender. Uh, really long player. You see the strength with how he, how he plays at the point of attack. 275, man. Yeah, and he, he plays like it. Um, but I think when you let him go in space, like throw on the Florida tape and see him drop in space and I'm make plays. I mean, <laughs> they, he tipped the ball interception I mean he looked they would drop him like a linebacker so I mean it's it's really impressive to see him move out there um, I, I think that once he gets to an opportunity where he can just pin his ears back and go I, I think he can bring the juice and so I'll, his his workouts here will be important because I've heard they're going to be really they good. should be and as long if, they, if he hits the numbers that he's capable of that the traits say that he is on film uh, I, I think a lot more people getting on that bandwagon all right so that's one of the two yeah. <laughs> you got uh, one more, bro. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I think that – is it too early for one of these offensive linemen? That was going to be my question. You know, I think you you look at a Charles Cross. You look at a Trevor Penning. You look at, um, you know, one of the interior guys. Is it too early for one of those guys? I don't I – don't, more so than most years. I don't know that it's really too early for anybody. You know, in this class, because there's no consensus. There really is not. You're going to hear so many different opinions that if you feel great about a guy, take him. And if you think he's a good player, even yeah. if it's not at a premium position, yeah. just get the good player. Get the good player. Don't worry about who you should take or who, you know, take the best player that's going to best impact your football team. So if the Giants decide that we really need to upgrade on the offensive line and that's where they feel the most comfortable going, then by all means, uh, Charles Cross is a really. If you look at the movement patterns and the hand exchange. I was really blown away. No, his pa- he, he might be the best pass protection tackle in the whole draft. You, you could make that argument, sure. Um, it's just he's coming from that air raid scheme, and that you know I, I'm talking to scouts. They'll, some will throw out the name Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard, PTSD, absolutely, right. no and, question. And part of Andre Dillard's issue is I don't think he loves football as much as he, you know you would like him to be, especially for a first round pick. Um, but uh, you know he's uh, Charles Cross is a good player, and so if as long as you're not you know, you know you don't he's not the most powerful guy. So as long as that's not a priority for you in your offensive lineman, you know he's strong enough, but he's not a power straight power guy. So as long as that's what you're okay with that, he's gonna fit. Trevor Penning is interesting because guys that are six seven, three thirty, and have the nasty demeanor that he does, and they, he's gonna test well. He will, yes. They're just not walking down the street. You know, they're not. It's hard to find those guys, and so I think Trevor Penning. I don't know that he goes top 10, but I would not be surprised at all because he has the traits. He has what you can't can't really coach. Um, and you just have to work on that technique, refine some some areas, and he's going to be a good pro. Are you a penning guy or a cross guy? I do prefer cross just because of, you know, I've seen him do it against Alabama. Yeah. You know, I've seen him do it against uh, some of these other teams. And even though he's not, again, not the most powerful guy, the movement patterns, the hand exchange, really, really impressive traits. And his testing could be important, right, to see exactly yeah. how that movement sure. translates to sure. some of the and, testing. And, you know, he's a very young kid. You, know, you, you talk to him, and he's he's very young with what he knows. And so there's there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve going from that scheme to a pro-style, more of a pro-style scheme. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure what pro-style means anymore, but it's, it's different <laughs> than air raid and yes, what he was correct. asked to do. So um, there will be a learning curve for him. You, and 
you have to factor that in. Yeah, just listening to me, he doesn't seem as polished just in yeah, general right. as a mm-hmm. like Neil and Aquanu, like you know yeah. what you're getting. Like They're, you listen yeah. to those guys, you look at them and you're like, right. All right, you're kind of already ready yep. to go here. Charles Cross, I feel like there is some development that still has to happen once he gets no into co- your yeah, program. No question. And, that, and that's why he's not a slam dunk top 10 pick or top 7 pick. Do you think um, he should have went back? No, I think he was fine coming out because, I mean, we're talking about him as, you know, an early first-round pick. Here. Right. So, I got you. You know, I, I, could he have helped himself? Sure. But I don't think it would have necessarily jumped him up to number one or anything like that. So I thought he made the right decision. It makes sense. Would one of the two – let's say the Giants had to move on from James Bradbury to fix their cap mm-hmm. issues. We know Wink Martindale needs – Corners that can play press, yep. corners that are long, and corners that can run. Yeah. And Stingley and Sauce do yeah. check those boxes. Could Are they worth that value at five or seven? Because whenever I think of cornerbacks, Dane, whenever I think of cornerbacks, I think high-variance picks, right? Sure. It's, they're just the nature of the position is risky. Yeah. But those two guys have been asked to do in college what you're going to ask corners to do in the pros. They're not, you know, these big 12 quarters Sure. Zone guys. So, your thoughts on on those two guys, and you know, what have you heard about Stingley stuff? I'm sure he hasn't really met with teams yet, but he's one right. of the guys that teams are going to have to figure out too. And I'd, I'd throw Trent McDuffie in there as well. He's actually my number one corner. Oh, is he really? Uh, wow. Yeah. I, it, he smaller is, guy, but he's can cover. Yeah, he is the smartest DB I've talked to um, as a prospect. Hmm. Uh, he is really, really sharp. He understands. Yeah, I throw different scenarios at him, and he spit back. You know, this is what I. He, he's very process oriented. So he understands by what the formation is giving him, what that means for him, how to communicate that to the rest of the the not only the secondary but the linebackers. He is a very very sharp individual, and I think that's going to make him uh, someone that's going to make an instant impact because of that. Did he play enough man for your liking to be feel yeah, comfortable with him in that they, scheme? They did a lot of press bail. Um, they did. They do a lot of press bail, but he did do plenty of press man. He did. They do a lot of quarters. They do a lot of zone. They do. They did everything. I think that Jimmy Lake scheme. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of DBs come out of that system. And him and Kyler Gordon, who's probably also going to be a first-round pick, are the next two. Uh, but the two guys that you originally mentioned with Sauce Gardner and Stingley, uh, Sauce is, you know, uh, the resume speaks for itself, obviously. You know, not giving up a touchdown at over 1,100 career pass uh, coverage snaps. Uh there, there's a few things down the field that you worry about. Needs to clean up. You know, needs to stay under control down the field. Uh, I wish that we would have seen more targets his way, just so we could get a better, you know, sense for some of these things. He just teams did not throw at him, but that that's obviously very, very telling. Uh, that team stayed away from his side of the field. Um, Full Darrell Revis treatment. It over really there. was, yeah. <laughs> and and that allowed Kobe Bryant to step up on the other side and be the Jim Thorpe Award winner this year. Uh, but and then Stingley, Stingley's a wild card. He really is. He's an enigma. I mean, it's funny if you flip that 2019 and 2021 seasons, lock it in. He's the number one pick. You know, he's going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But what happened the last two years where he wasn't quite on that level? You know, a lot was going on in that LSU program. Uh, you know, it's a revolving door, a defensive coordinator for them. They lost a lot of guys. Injuries, obviously, a big part of this. Um, you know, you, you talk to scouts and they're kind of, you know, on the on the fence about him because he's not a alpha type of personality it's just not who he is and that's okay you don't would you like your corner one to be an alpha sure do you need your corner one to be an alpha it's not necessarily a requirement but he needs to go to a place where you know 
it, it, you know, it, where there is a James Bradbury, where he could really, you know, be of that big brother type and help him bring along and that type of thing. Um, you know, it, it go to Minnesota, Patrick Peterson, that type of type of deal, where he's not asked to go into a veteran locker room and be the number one corner from the get go. He needs to be, uh, you know, kind of brought along a l- little much slower than maybe some other guys. Interesting. Well, next time we have you on, we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper. Giants have a pick at the top of the second round, though. Yeah. And you mentioned it's a deep pass rusher draft. Is that a sweet spot for the pass rusher there? Pick like 37? Are you going to get somebody that's pretty darn good in that spot? I, I think the beauty of this pass rush class is uh, name a pick and it's going to be the sweet spot. <laughs> I, I really believe that. I think you can f- it's the only position this year where I think you can feel good about who you could get in the first round, second round, third round, fourth round, and, and into day three. I, I really think, like, like wow. obviously, fourth round, you're not going to get a you know impact starter right away. But for normal fourth round picks, you're going to feel good about the pass rushers that could be there because not only the talent, but the just sheer volume of talent. So there will be only so many guys can go in each round. That'll push some guys down the board. I mean, I'm working on my top 100, and I've got, you know, 15, 16 uh, pass rushers in there. I'm like, that's I've got too many guys. I need to you know go up to 20, 22, 25. Wow. It, there's just so many of these guys that belong that you you know, make a case for in the top 100 picks that not all of them can go that high. So second round, you know, Arnold Ebiketti from uh, Penn State. I, you know, I think that fits there. Third round, fourth round. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different pass rushers. And, and like we talked about at the top, different flavors that they offer is a little bit differently. Uh, pure speed, guys that can give you a little more uh, power at the point of attack. So it, it's a really diverse group of pass rushers that I would feel good about. Uh, now, should you stay away from pass rusher in the first round because of that? Not necessarily. Right. You know, if, if the first round should be independent of everything, go get the best player available in the first, especially in the top ten. Go get the best players available uh, in the top ten. Don't worry about who could fall to you. Go get the best players, and then. But if they don't go pass rusher early, there will be options uh, later on the draft that they can feel good about adding to their uh, their their mix of pass rusher. Let's say the Giants decide a five and seven. None of these offensive linemen are worth the bang for the buck here. Mm-hmm. Once Giant fans put down their pitchforks and torches, mm-hmm. and then they take a deep breath and relax. <laughs> Make them feel good about some of the guys they could find at tackle or guard or center in rounds two, three, and four. Yeah, I, I think this is a. I like the center class a lot. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum's obviously the top guy, but after that, Dylan Parnum from Memphis is a good player. Um, he was good at Mobile. I he liked was. him a lot. I, I like Luke Fortner a lot out of Kentucky, a really good player as well. Um, and then Cole Strange uh, from Tennessee Chattanooga. I, I think those three guys are going to start games in the NFL. And they all have center guard versatility. Um, and I think that probably not second round, but they're not going to last to the fourth round. So yeah. I think third round is maybe that sweet spot for, for those types of guys. Um, at tackle, I, I do think there's a little bit of a drop-off after you know uh, th- that group. I, I don't think Bernard Raymond falls to you in the second round. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be a first-round pick. So you think five tackles in the first probably, round? Probably, especially okay. the nature of the position. No, it makes everyone sense. needs them. The, everyone so, needs them. Yeah, I think five in the, in the first round. And then... Do you feel good about any of those that that next tier of tackles? Falele, like that group, right. right? And you know, a guy like Nicholas Petit Frere or um, you know Tyler Smith from Tulsa, who is a really talented guy. He's just the te- technique's a mess. You know, he he's a young, a young player. You need to build him up, and so. Uh, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a guy that can plug in right away? Can you afford to be patient with them a little bit when you get second, third, fourth round? That's that's what really factors in with a lot of these players because uh, a lot of them a reason they're not going higher is because they're going to need some time in the in, in the slow cooker to, to to marinate and you know before they're ready to see NFL action. How about guards? 
I, I like this guard class quite a bit. Um, uh, we'll see who falls to the second round. You know, does a Zion Johnson fall? I'd be surprised. I think, you know, Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, they're going to go uh, early in that, in that first round. Um, and, and then who's that next mix of of guards uh you know who, who, what's the order they come off the board everyone's got a, a little bit different but i think that there's there's quite a few of them that you can get excited about so salier ingram so, like those types of guys uh, yeah could throw darian Kennard in there okay. i think yep. you know uh yeah a couple sec guys um i i, I do like salier a lot he played left tackle at georgia but much better inside he's got a guard body guard skill set he did great against hutchinson and then he in did the he did yeah no they, they gave him a lot of help i, I they I, did absolutely they, but i, I think he's a plug-and-play guard that can you know come in right away and play um and canard's interesting because he's a little sloppy at tackle but movement side that might be able to take care of some of that ed ingram's a really talented player um so yeah the sec you know cranking them out like they usually do and then finally do you just always pick a wide receiver at somewhere on day two now i mean there's like 12 of these guys every yeah, year there's yeah. always going to be somebody good it almost to me now and you know, we just saw the report this morning that the cowboys might release amari cooper right you almost feel like unless you have a top three or four or five guy should you even pay wide receivers anymore? Yeah, and you know every year wide receiver seems to be a strength in the draft. Every so, year, right? And it's not going to stop, especially with the nature of the college game and how uh, you know that's going to evolve even more so, uh, where those guys are the weapons, uh, more so than running back, more so than other positions. So yeah, and then this is a you know do you think the Giants maybe top ten five and seven yeah, could could be a, a position they look at with Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burr. I don't think Drake London because they have Kenny Galladay there already as right, a big right, guy. Right, yeah. So but yeah, I mean, yeah, you never know. I mean, it's if you feel like he can be an immediate weapon for, I, I love Garrett Wilson. I really do. I think he's he can do everything. That's, that's what it. I like about him, that's man. It. He checks every box. The only thing you wish he was a little bigger, but he plays bigger. So you know he's good. He's good with the contested catches, man. That's it. He's five eleven, one ninety, but he plays a lot bigger than he looks, and he will go get the football because body control. It's elite. So uh, I'm with you. Garrett Wilson to me, the top receiver this year. Uh, Burks didn't have the best workout uh, last night. Four five five in the forty, um, and you know that's. I think we need to be careful with some of these forties at the, uh, with especially wide receiver. Uh, for context purposes, and I tweeted this. I took the from three years ago, the combine, the top 10 wide receiver 40 times. Uh, two of them are studs, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf. Two of them are uh, solid depth guys, Darius Slayton, one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other six, two of them are out of the league. Four of them have been massive disappointments. So, you know, we just need to take these 40 times with a little bit of a grain of salt because, again, the tape is what matters. This is just kind of a fill-in-the-blank context type of exercise that, you know, it helps, but it's not the be-all, end-all of where these guys should be drafted. Dane, good stuff, brother. Awesome, John. Always good to see you. Well, if Dane on again before the draft, folks, make sure you check it out and find your stuff on The Athletic, right? Anywhere else you want to send them? No, just make sure you have uh, your subscription. So uh, when that draft guide's ready in early April, uh, hit your inbox. All you need is the subscription, and you get the draft guide as part of it for free. So uh, make sure you check that out. How's the beast marinating? Is it doing okay? It's, I, I you know, <laughs> it, we're, everything's a week later this year. So I feel like I'm, Dude, I know. I, you know, it, even pro days. So I feel like I'm, I need to catch up, need to catch up. Um, but, you know, I feel like that every year. Somehow, some way, it'll get done. And, uh, you know, it, it, this, will, this will not be the year where I do not get it done. I feel confident about that. And it's always out. First week of April. That's the goal. Good four weeks before the draft. Yeah. And, it, guys, I'm telling you, it's my favorite guide. It's fantastic. Make sure you. It out. Dane Brugler from the Athletic Argus and the Giants Little Podcast, brought to you by AWS, Amazon Web Services, proud partner of the New York Giants. Stay tuned for more content from the Combine in Indianapolis all weekend long on Giants.com and our social media platforms.